Hey, Mind Golders, it's Sarah, and you're listening to another episode of Mind Gold, uh, cleverly titled What the Fuck is Wellness? Um, thank you. I did come up with that, and it is a clever name. Uh, thanks for acknowledging. So, today I am very lucky to have with me Connie Neeskins. Uh, and she's actually here in my lounge sitting on my couch, which is pretty cool because, as you know, and also from the quality of former episodes, um, I've been using Skype and Zoom and all of the technology um, across the social isolation period. So it's really nice to have a guest actually here in front of me. Uh, Connie is a physiotherapist. She is a clinical Pilates instructor and she's a bit of a legend. Um, She's currently activating my glutes once a week uh, via Zoom with cans, which is pretty cool. I'm sure you do want to know more uh, and you can because here she is and here's the episode. exciting to get out and about and uh, not be stuck at home. Today's an admin day and it's nice to actually go do something and see someone and I feel like put makeup on for the first time in, you in do weeks. Oh, thanks, Sarah. I've only ever seen you on uh, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying this is like almost, it's like a Tinder date sort of thing where you've only ever like seen them in photos or whatever and then you get to meet them in person and I was just saying she's surprisingly tall. I didn't meet her on Tinder, by the way. We do Pilates online. <laughs> yeah, we do uh, clinical Pilates online, a, a beautiful, beautiful group class. Yeah, we activate our glutes with cans. With cans, lots of cans. Lots of cans, it's great. Um, so that is how I know Connie. But why don't you tell my audience, which is literally probably my dad <laughs> and my mum. <laughs> Maybe your mum and dad, too. Uh, uh, Maybe we'll get a couple of new followers. My, my parents are, no, actually, my parents are pretty tech savvy, but I don't know if they'd be into... Um, podcasts they don't even have instagram or facebook they're like what are those so you know uh do you want me to talk about myself talk about yourself what, oh, do, you do? what do i do um my name's connie uh i'm a physiotherapist uh i'm now a proud owner of a brand new business which has been a very much a struggle uh since coronavirus started best time to launch best, a new business best, obviously best time to launch a new physio clinic um my physio style is I am a generalist physio. I do everything from knees, back pain, neck pain, children, geriatrics. Um, I have a special interest in clinical Pilates, um, which I do a lot of at the moment with Corona going on, doing a lot of um, online classes with Sarah. Sarah's in one of my group sessions. It's the best. Which is uh, very much an interesting uh it's very interesting doing Pilates via an online platform in terms of uh, making it yeah, good for everyone at the same time. But the one-to-ones are a lot easier. But the group is fun because obviously you can laugh at each other and hear everyone grunting. When yeah, someone's always like swearing or like having... Oh, someone's always breathing <laughs> really heavily in their mic. So like, I'm like, and exhale. And they're like... <sighs> 
but he can hear it through the mic and I just sort of silently laugh. I know who it is, but I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> it's oh, me, oh, isn't it? No, no, it's not you. There's only two other possibilities. So, <laughs> girls, if you're listening, you know who it's it is. It's one of you. It's one of you. Oh, my God, hilarious. But you all work really hard and it's a, uh, it's a fun experience. It is. We enjoy it. I think that's been one of the really cool things about, like, I'd never done Pilates before. Mm. I'd never done um, clinical Pilates, rather. Uh, so it was quite interesting for me because I think there's that whole misconception and you're either going to laugh at this or, like, punch me in the face of, like, toning. This whole, <laughs> right? Can we talk about toning? Yeah. yeah it's it, a thing. It's a thing. It's, it's, it's toning. Of, we want to lift your buttocks. Uh, no, I also find... It's interesting doing some clinical plies with um, you guys, as you guys are obviously weightlifters, and I watch you guys put stupid amounts of weight above your head. You can't do a plank. Uh, <laughs> but you can't do, do a plank, you know, or you can't hold yourself in a certain position. And and I, I think they're two very, very different forms of exercise, but I um, do believe clinical Pilates does create that uh, baseline of support and stability that you need so you can progress further with your sport. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting platform. And it's designed for everyone, but you can tailor it to however you want. And it's fun watching, especially you girls. Like, I watch all of your videos on Instagram and, and you know, I'm always like, oh, my God, how do they do that? <laughs> and then I'm like... Just yeah, they can't do a hamstring curl. Yeah, they can't do a hamstring curl on, 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 in a bridge. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? You know, but it's good. And I hope, you know, as we progress through it, it'll uh, reflect in your your training in terms of I hope you start to feel some um, benefit from it. Not just my pure enjoyment. Uh, <laughs> it's cool because it's one of the, like, one percenter kind of things. That a lot of people wouldn't think to do. Yeah. I think that's cool. Like, in a sport where you're always lifting something heavy, you don't think that learning how to do, like, a pelvic tilt correctly is going to be a game changer. But then it is, and that's fucking cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And I think it's really cool that you girls have embraced it. And I'd love, I'm really excited to see how your weeks progress. Um, I've been working with a couple of weightlifters now for a few years, and it's been really exciting seeing them change. And I... I'm, I'm really starting to take a keen interest in the sport in itself. The more I talk to you guys about the sport, there doesn't appear to be a lot of research into the sport. And I've been talking to a few clients about the training modules. And, you know, we're talking about how the, the, the training modules are set from, you know, 20 years ago when everyone was on steroids or, you know, how much, <laughs> you know, it's not like cycling where there's, like a lot of a cycling, running, you know, there's a lot of money tipped into the sport, especially for research. Like if you look at cycling as a sport, there is papers upon papers about, you know, training modules and, you know, uh, blood and, and air and oxygen. Whereas I feel like weightlifting, because it's not a very money-based sport, you do it because you love it. Yeah. And, and you're a fucking sadist. Yeah, you're a, yeah there's something weird about you. Uh, <laughs> That's true. It's, I, I'm finding it, I, I'm really intrigued and I'm learning a lot about the sport in itself. Because we don't, as physios, we don't get taught what you guys do as in terms of reps, repetitions and training modules. Like it's just, it's a new sort of field for me personally. I'm sure there is some physios out there that do 
weight lifters and have a little bit more experience. But I'm really enjoying looking at load and how to progress someone to do heavier lifts and how to be better. Like, obviously, that's my job anyway, but it, I think from a weightlifting point of view, it's really fun. I think that's the cool thing, right, is, like, you want to progress people to be able to lift heavier. Like, that's your, that's your purpose with their treatment as opposed to, I'm going to start them lifting I'm going to regress what they're doing completely, for mm. example. And I think, like, in the past when I've seen practitioners who maybe don't have much experience with weightlifting or, like, a sport like that where they don't really understand it, they're more inclined to just be, like, rest for five weeks. Or and Katie and I discussed this on the episode that I did with her, and having that approach can be quite detrimental not only to someone's, obviously, physical uh, progress, but also their mental progress. Because if you're told you can't do X, Y, and Z or you're going to fucking break um i had a i had a practitioner once tell me um that if i lifted i would potentially dislocate my shoulder and there was like nothing wrong <laughs> with it i was like huh yeah i've, um, I've watched your lifts and so i question where, where your shoulders get to myself i go oh but uh you know don't try and fix a problem unless there is a problem yeah but in terms of like stability yeah. um you, there was no reason for her to say that i'm not going to say who it is but um it's really just like puts the fear in somebody and not even a weightlifter or anyone who's like trying to lift something reasonably heavy like even someone who just goes to the gym um maybe they're just a recreational gym user kind of thing like general population um i've had clients of mine be you know go to a physio go to somebody and told not to train not to do anything and it all when they tell me what's wrong with them it's like what how Oh, yeah, and I think that's an older model of physiotherapy. So physiotherapy is, like, constantly changing in terms of what the evidence-based medicine is. Um, my personal style of physio is, look, you need to you find out, you work through the diagnosis, work through the injury, but you would never, ever tell someone to stop. Yeah. You would always find alternatives. So you've got to, for someone who's, you know, exercises six or seven times a week, you know, and then they've got something wrong with them. Let's go worst case scenario, they've got stress fracture, right? Stress fracture, bad. That is bad, 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 right? But, in, you know, finding alternatives to exercise and other areas that you can work on to, to be stronger so that when your stress fracture or whatever injury you've got heals, you can come back and be better. You know, you look at, yeah. a, you look at AFL players and they, they're just miraculous in how quickly they can come back from injury. Yes, they have access to, you know, all kinds of modalities, physio, massage, a full-fledged gym. They don't have anything else to do. But, the, you know, they stay so strong because they work on so many, you know, someone's got a hamstring tear, I can guarantee you they're in the gym every day doing core work, doing upper limb work, doing, you know, other other things. And I suppose as a, from... If you, when you talk to your practitioner about injuries, you know, you need to have that conversation of, okay, if I can't do this, what are my other options? Yeah. And not always, like, you, and to actually say that to your practitioner because, if you know, the straighty 180 answer is rest. Yeah, that's, that's what's probably going to cure your injury. But you need to look at what does the person need as a whole. And that person probably needs to exercise if they're so used to being so active. And it, part of it's up to the client as well. Part of it's up to the patient to ask your physiotherapist to be like, okay, what are my alternatives? Like, what else can I do? Yeah. Whereas some people, I think, are just a little bit afraid and go, oh, that's it. You know, to ask the question, we're still human. And if you 
if they can't give you an alternative, then well, they're probably not a good candidate, or uh, any sort of allied health professional. Yeah, I find it quite hard when I have clients come to me and say they've been told to not do anything because I don't have the same education. I don't want to be questioning, you know, someone who's spent years studying. <laughs> I've got my cert three and four, so to that extent, there's um, I I want to let them take the advice of um, their practitioner. Um, but then it's that whole tricky thing of like, if it's something that I don't agree with and I don't want to be, um, uh, overstepping or prescribing outside my scope. And I feel like a lot of PTs, a lot of people in the fitness industry, um, whether it comes to actual exercise prescription or nutrition advice and stuff like that, are giving advice to people that is way beyond their level of education. Um, and I personally, I'll just always refer on. <laughs> I know this is a point of contention with you. I wrote I wrote a blog recently, right? If you've not read it, it's... it's read it. A, it's, <laughs> thank you. It's a bit of a rage about the fitness industry, which obviously I'm a part of. Um, I work in health and fitness. I'm a personal trainer. Um, and there are a lot of things in the fitness industry that I personally just don't agree with. Um, you know, I'm not shy about my opinions. <laughs> Um, and Cody and I have recently, I guess, uh, connected on these views because, um, yeah, I think it's a point of contention with a lot of people, um, in your industry, basically getting undermined by people who have, you know, got their qualifications from the back of a wheat bix packet, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wheat bix. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's just the allied health industry. It's also, I think, comes not just from from a physio or osteo allied health it also comes down to the the medical world as well in terms of google has you know google has changed the way everyone feels about their health you know if you google your symptoms you've probably died six times already <laughs> uh, and i think as a physio even before you get on to pts you know patients coming in and self-diagnosing their problem to you i think is is good and bad. Like it's good. You've got a good understanding, but don't try and tell me what your injury is. Oh, that would piss me off. No, yeah. yeah <laughs> but you, you, you can confirm or deny by doing your proper assessments and stuff. I think I have um, some really good relationships with some PTs. Um, I have for years and I think they, a lot of PTs know their scope of work and a lot of PTs don't. Um, from a physio point of view, you know, in any allied health, we, we go to uni for a long time and then part of our, um, part of a legal obligation of, as a part of our registration is we have to do professional development every year. So you, you're required to update your skills every year, otherwise you, get, you can get in trouble or you have your registration denied, which means you can't work. So I, a couple of years ago, went and started my master's, which I put on hold uh, due to business reasons, but... Um, you know, even your masters, you know, the first thing they drill into is, you know, evidence-based medicine. So looking at what is the evidence, what is the scientific facts behind a X, Y, Z reason for doing an exercise or doing a treatment modality or... And, you know, we spend years at uni learning what's correct and what's not correct. And then every year you're still updating. And so I get a little bit flabbergasted by um, PTs who, who give give exercises 
to patients and not to say they're not good exercises don't get me wrong like exercise is medicine like movement is medicine I, I fully encourage anyone to have PT like I wish I had a PT uh, I'll push your patient. Oh, God, please, no. <laughs> I can't do that. I won't be able like, to do anything. We're at the prisons of a weightlifting platform. Oh, man. I'm good at deadlifts. <laughs> I'm terrible at squats. Uh, but, you know, quite often I feel like I'm, I'm cleaning up a mess. Yeah, right. So I feel quite often I'll have a patient come into me and they'll be broken and they will not be in a good state. And I'll be like, what have you been doing? And they'll tell it to me. And I'll be like, who made you do that with your history and whatever else? And they go, oh, my PT made me do it. And I just I just have to bite my tongue and shake my head and just go, all right, right, let's, ex- let's talk about the reasons why this isn't appropriate. And it is out of their scope of works. But it, I don't know where the industry needs to go in terms of you know how much how much education like you is there a regulatory board for PTs? Yes, I'm registered. Yeah, you're registered. Board, but how how but many aren't though? Oh well, you. I mean, you have to be technically to be working as a PT. You have to be registered with one of these governing bodies. Mm. Um, what I feel though is we have the same thing. We have to have continuing education. Mm. But the amount of like I've had people ask me if I could just sign them off for their Whatever, whatever it may be, mm. um, so that they can get these points. And well, I personally am like, well, no, I'm not going to do that because that's mm. not true. You didn't. <laughs> that's not true. But I mean, I'm sure that there's others doing the same thing. Like, oh, can you just sign me off? Or they'll be doing like bullshit. Um, when I say bullshit, I mean like you know, you get five points for doing like um, an online course that takes twenty minutes that you just bludge by like flicking through. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, for mm. sure. So, whilst Excellent. you can, it's great. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> well, okay, so there is, on the other side of that, you can obviously seek out to do continuous education that is beneficial to yourself. So, I've done my weightlifting coach uh, qualification that yeah. gets a good chunk of points. I've done, like, nutrition. I've done stuff that I'm interested in, right? Because I'm like, cool, this is an opportunity to progress my education in fields that I'm actually interested in so that's what I'm going to do so every two years I'm like right what am I going to do what am I going to do yeah Yeah. but a lot of people see it as like oh this is you know it's just a fucking box to tick blah 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 um so they're not necessarily trying to improve their education correct necessarily so potentially there are trainers out there who um you know could need to uh, scrub up a little bit. I don't even think it's scrub up. I think it's um, understanding your scope of your scope of practice. So understanding your limitations of if someone does come to you and says, "Look, I've got some back pain or knee pain." You need to know how and when to modify, not modify. And I think a lot of PTs do it well. Yeah, for sure. And then, but I think there's a lot of PTs that don't do it well. What I what I'm not a fan of is as a PT prescribing rehab exercises or diagnosing that person's injury when that person hasn't seen a practitioner uh, mm. and you know how are you to know like you don't have the skills to tell that person what's wrong with them correct I what I would prefer to see happen like more regularly is trainers have like a working relationship with someone like yourself um, mm. and this is what I do like I always refer my clients to 
someone that I know who can then correspond with me and say, yeah. this obviously with the person's permission, um, this is their injury, this is the rehab plan, and CC me in on all of this. Yeah. So I can regress things, I can make sure they're doing their yeah. exercises, I can factor them into the program that they're doing, Yeah. whatever. But if you don't do that, then you're kind of just shooting in the dark because you don't have the understanding to Correct. be able to tell them what's wrong with them. Yeah. So you're either giving them stuff that's going to make it worse or giving them stuff that's not necessarily going to make it any better, but it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Yeah, five stars for you. If you're an Uber driver, like, woo, five stars. <laughs> that was just like the perfect like little sentence just there. I loved it. And I suppose it's, yeah, it's that, it's making those connections though. Like, you don't always make those, like, connections unless you have a person, unless you've been injured yourself or, you know, you won't always make those, those connections. But I find it really frustrating watching. So if you ever, there was another point. If you ever look at any of the fitness apps online, have you seen many of them? Oh, like workout apps? Yeah, workout apps. There's hundreds of them, thousands yeah. online. If you ever actually go into their terms and conditions and read um, their waivers, they have some very hefty um, waivers in there. So I find it really frustrating from a physio point of view because you've got this constant instagram social media you know all these apps in your face you know download this get fit get fast get you know the big booty burn if you actually go and look <laughs> fucking booty burn booty burn you know <laughs> and if you actually go and look at the waiver mo it's it's true all of the waivers say do not participate in this exercise unless you are 100 percent healthy if you have any medical conditions please seek a health practitioner um it says in all of their waivers so i feel like it's almost you're trying to promote this, this do all these exercises, be fit, but you forget the little fine print that says, actually, if you are injured, please. Yeah, actually, go. you shouldn't be doing this. Actually, you shouldn't be sick. <laughs> actually, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, these, not to name them specifically, but, you know, the big high-intensity gyms and and it. I see it all the time. It's just, I think it's really good if you're not injured, but if you have an injury... It's just like cleaning up a mess, and you have to read the fine print because you you are not liable. It's like they everyone takes their hands off. So it'd be hard, I think, as a as a human being, if you're like, right, I need to get fit. I need to I need to go do this. I'm going to download this app, and then you download the app, and then you fail at the app because you know it's not designed for people who are injured or you've got some comorbidities like diabetes or you're a bit overweight or which come into play with exercising. And so they end up on this vicious cycle of cyclic of like the, the hamster wheel, right? So you get the motivation to get fit and then you injure yourself because you've done one of these silly apps and then you go to the physio and then the physio tells you to rest. Yeah, so you and then so off, and then you, feel and then you back things. off yeah. and then put on three kilos and three months later, go, I need to lose weight and then you're back on the hamster wheel. So I think to get off that hamster wheel, you need to, you need to seek out advice like you need to go see someone and be like right i want to i want to be able to do this these are my goals and then a good practitioner will will run you through right let's look at three months six months what are your goals what do you want to do the lazy practitioner will say rest and then you know it is it's a lot of effort to see someone from start to finish and part of it is building that trust as well you know if someone's had a bad experience with a physio or any other health professional, you kind of start to get this 
you know, clouded vision of, oh, my phys- that physio didn't do anything. But, you know, every physio is different. Every osteo is different. We're all trained. Like, we're all gone to university. And we're all, it's like going to different GPs. Like, you or know. Different psychologists. Different psychologists. And you, yeah. need, you need to build that trust relationship and, and have rapport. So, like I always say to patients, you know, if you don't, like, if you don't like me, like, that's fine. And if you prefer to be seen by mail, that's fine, you know. But don't don't settle for someone because that's that's your only option. Unless yeah. you're in a country town and that is your only option. But <laughs> it's a very personal thing. It is really personal, and I think you know part of my philosophy is um, is is health is a journey. In terms of not all journeys have positive outcomes, like. You, you've got to think of your life isn't going to be perfect the whole way. These words that get sprouted, now this is my real big big bone pick, this this word, I don't know how you feel about wellness. Oh, mate, fucking shit. Wellness <laughs> and holistic. <laughs> wellness and holistic. I want to shoot myself. Yeah, wellness is the worst. Wellness, I've decided, is a cult. Uh, it's this cult of fantasy that you all must be well all the time <laughs> and everything must be positive and you must have oh, good vibes vibes vibes, oh, vibes. Babe. you know vibes. what vibes vibes vibes, vibes, vibes. and good vibes only good it's vibes like, only it's like, whatever fucking vibe i would like to put out yeah there. Yeah, yeah dirty vibes gray vibes yeah. i don't know but this <laughs> this is this is this cult at, at, that's emerging at the moment about wellness and holistic and you know this wellness you know oh you've got to eat these foods and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to wear your active wear and it doesn't matter whether you're fat or skinny or what you know body positivity i think is great i think that's something that's really good that's come out in the last couple of years is it's okay to be you don't have to be size six you can be size 18 and be beautiful and do what you want to do but this wellness you know oh <laughs> wellness it just you guys have to see the face oh oh <laughs> so a friend of a friend of mine um, invited me on Facebook to like this page, and it was. Oh gosh. <laughs> they started up. They said, "I they're a wellness coach," and I looked. I went. What the fuck is a wellness coach? Right. Yeah. yeah get, get, so got, got, got onto the page, and I looked at it. I was like, "What? What's your qualifications?" And I read the blurb, and I was like, "Hi, oh, I'm here to help you with your wellness and blah blah blah." you know, with your physical, mental and emotional well being and I was and I looked through it looked you know, you look for what degrees what what, 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 are you? what are you? And there's no there's nothing. <laughs> not even a PT, not even it's not psych, not physio, not social work, nothing. Just wellness. <laughs> you know, and there's you know like wellness. What is wellness? You know wellness centers you know drink this herbal tea the amount of times i have to use the word wellness and stuff at work and every time i write it i like hate myself just a little bit more it's fucked i i've recently this year been doing some locum work in aged care and it's really interesting (laughs) watching aged care develop you know 20 years ago my auntie was telling me um she's a nurse uh she was saying you know 20 years ago if you walked into a room and someone had their mouth open. It's called the O sign. You know, jaws drop. Oh, you know, they're dead, right? Yeah. And 20 years ago, you go in, go, oh, and you, you close their jaw and make sure that they're okay. They look respectable. And you know, pull the sheets up and go, all right, Mrs. Jones is dead. 
And you go out to the nurse's desk and go, we better ring the family and get the doctor in. And that was it. The person died. And now it's, it, it feels like, you know, everything in age cares about, you know, keeping them alive <laughs> forever. You know, you've got to do everything in your power, you know, to make sure this person is happy and, and you know, they're doing everything and they're participating in the activities and, in, you know, and families don't help and, you know, it, they're like, oh, they need to be doing more. But, you know, I see it from a physio point of view and if you walk into a room and they tell you to piss off, I just go, right, see you, Bob, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. And so this, this, this obsession with prolonging life in terms of, You've got, you've got to live forever. I'm not saying go do drugs and party really hard and die at 40. I'm saying, but this, we've got to live forever mentality. And it's the same with the wellness thing. It's like, we've got to be as well as possible forever. <laughs> you, you know. My boyfriend was saying the other day that he hopes he dies before he gets to 70. Yeah, that's a little early. And I was like, but that's, that's, you know, you're almost 40, so... I, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's quite depressing though because we, as society we've gotten so good at preserving life, like so good at it. Most of the people in aged care, it's not pretty. They all live in nappies and they all... Um, I'd rather be dead than be fucking shitting myself. Yeah, they all live in nappies and they're all a bit disorientated and like some of them are pleasantly demented and I love talking to them because they say the same story every day and they often whine and it's great. But obviously I don't have it because you're on shift. <laughs> uh, but this, yeah, this this prolong of life and this wellness and this, you know, you know, part of your health journey is you need to have the ups and downs. You can't be perfect forever. And, you know, you've got to take it as it comes. So from a physio point of view, I think as my role as a physio is to help you through those ups and downs. Yes, I'm going to help you be your best. But I'll also help you. Are you not going to be your best 100% of the time? No, I'll also also help you at your worst. I think, like, the benefit of doing a sport like weightlifting is that you really do learn that your progress isn't linear. Mm. It's never going to be this, like, Mm -mm. gradual progression upwards. You're going to get injured. You're going to have shit sessions. You're going to bomb. And it's like life. I think that's why I write a lot about it in relation to life in general because I think it really teaches you a lot of things. Like, it's... You know, it's not just fucking sunshine and rainbows and, mm. you know. I think weightlifting, if you put it on a piece of paper, it'd be like one straight line and then like Mr. Squiggle. like Massively. I don't, Massively. I don't think there's even a... <laughs> no, there is an upward trajectory. <laughs> well, I'll, so, let you know, I'll let you know when it happens yeah. for me. But I think that we people need to be thinking about this in terms of their own journey, whether they are a regular gym goer, no matter what their, what their deal is, what fucking wellness, whatever they're trying to achieve. Like, it's not going to be a fucking straight line. And I think that's why I have so many problems with so many things in the fitness industry um, and, like, the lies that we tell people about exercise as a vehicle to weight loss and all this shit, which is just a crock, in my opinion. Like, we shouldn't be telling people that they're going to have this perfect, healthy life if they go to the gym every day and they lose five Mm. kilos. Like, it's just not true. Um, And I hate that I'm even a part of that message. Like, I just don't believe in it. Um, I think people should go to the gym because they want to get stronger yeah. um, physically, because they want to feel good about themselves mentally, and not because they have a fucking six-pack, but mm. because they're empowered to be able to lift something heavy, or mm. they feel like they can walk up the stairs without puffing, and like all these things. Yeah, I th- and that, I think, is 
that's the other word I hate, functional. Uh, I hate that word. So functional. I, I functional, functional fitness. Training. Functional <laughs> training. Functional. What is functional? Functional is being able to get up and sit down on the toilet in the morning. Well, functional is completely. <laughs> functional is completely relatable to whatever you are trying to do. Yeah. But if you are trying to um, strengthen your bicep, then a bicep curl is functional. Yeah. You know, if you. Yeah. Are trying to walk in a straight line, then fucking standing on a Bosu ball is. Yeah. Functional. So, functional. Yeah, it's dependent on the person and what they're actually trying to achieve. How is a burpee functional? I suppose you can get off the floor. But I had a question for That's you. That's a good question. I had a, I had a question for you is um, uh, back to back to PTs and, and wellness and all the information out there. Um, I find that currently in the current market, it's quite flooded at the moment on, yeah. on uh, social media, on the internet with content from certain people. And as a... Is there any, like, as a physio, we actually have quite heavy restrictions on what we can and can't put on social media. Yes, I've heard this. There's really quite large, um, like, ACRA guidelines regarding this. So I I don't know the answer. So from a PT point of view, is there any restriction on what you can and cannot post on Instagram, oh, on social media? Not that I'm aware of, um, given the fact that I've seen a lot of pages that are promoting... Uh, exercise programs promoting nutrition stuff with literally no um, <laughs> that, formal qualification. Well, I would say that it's very open to doing whatever you want. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't put myself out there on Instagram as a trainer. I mean, most people know that that's what I am, mm. but that's definitely not. Um, I'm, I'm not advertising myself as that on Instagram. Mm. Like if anything, I advertise. My blogs, my conversations with people. Graham. Um, Graham, obviously. I mean, he's got his own yeah. account, so he's sorted. But um, it's very much me, my own kind of personal brand that isn't related to my workplace, I guess, yeah. because that kind of needs to be separate. Correct. So I suppose it would be like how you have your own personal account and then you also have your physio. Yeah, and I do. They're very, very separate um, things. Um I think I get really frustrated sometimes when I see um, fit, the fitness industry put up certain exercises and I I remember one one post I saw and I nearly lost it I do, it was it was the complete wrong information in terms of it was it was completely the wrong thing to do for a certain condition I think it's like a shoulder condition and it was I nearly lost it I was just I was on the verge of messaging this person. I didn't know who this person was. It was just a sponsored post that popped up in my feed. And I was on the verge of messaging this person and having a really big dig at them. But I went, you know what? No, that's not your place. Just Well, whose place is it though? Well, that's what I mean. Who? And I was looking at these exercises and I was like, he is going to break someone. He's literally going to hurt. Like, I was so mad and I was... I didn't message him because I thought, no, just keep your cool. If he breaks them, they'll probably end up in your office anyway. But not that you want that. But my question is, is who is monitoring the people who are doing the wrong thing? So who out there is monitoring you guys to know that you're doing the, the wrong or right thing? You know, I'm, I'm waiting for the, obviously in physio, I'm, me personally, fingers crossed, pray to God, that I will never end up in court. But there is 
obviously litigation has happened over the years and it doesn't even have to be your fault but you know it's taking clinical notes and and of what you do and being accountable for what you do and so I'm wondering from my point of view what what point is a is a fitness trainer legal like obviously you 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 want to be um you know professionally you want to be good and you want to be a really good person a really good trainer but at what point you know if push came to shove and someone decided to sue you it's he said she said you know you're not taking notes of every boot camp session or every session that you do and so if push came to shove and someone actually hurt themselves who's gonna who's gonna get the blame yeah i mean i guess that's why we're all we've got to all pay for insurance and all that kind of Mm. thing because it is such a Mm. (laughs) unsupervised kind of i mean every trainer you know we don't have to take notes like you're saying we Mm. don't you know yeah it's really not as many legislations around what we do as what you do but we have just as much chance to hurt someone responsibility to make sure that people are safe and people don't hurt themselves yeah i think like my concern with um is is a lot to do with nutrition as well because there's so much like detrimental advice out there the amount of clients i've had come to me and um you know asked me stuff about nutrition and said oh you know i've been told i should be eating 1200 calories a day <laughs> and i'm just like that's a fucking meal like what are you talking about and i literally had to, had to explain that that is not going to work how long are you going to be able to sustain that for and i think you know being responsible for promoting programs that do encourage people to lose weight i just can't get on board it i just really cringe when people talk to me about you know exercising more and eating less and you know it's taken me a long time to change my thinking but i'm like i did more stuff i'm gonna eat more like that makes sense right like i've expended more energy i need to intake more energy yeah not sweet i've done so much exercise i'm gonna eat way less food yeah like what do you mean (laughs) i dietetics is a, a a field which i actually have zero like not zero knowledge i know basic knowledge of dietetics like you know don't eat too much and um stay away from sugary foods uh but whenever people ask me they ask me questions like oh should i be taking fish oil and magnesium and i'm like i got no clue you should ask your pharmacist and or people say oh what what food should i be eating i was like we should be just eating you know, everything in moderation, that's my always my answer, you know, don't drink too much soft drink, don't drink too much alcohol, like the general, general rules, I say if you really want to clean up your diet, you go see a dietitian, and then I'll I'll refer them on. People just want a quick fix, or like some, uh, I'll I'll just do this diet, and then everything will be perfect, I'll just be keto, or I'll just be paleo, or Mm. um, I'll do a juice cleanse, or whatever the fuck it is, it's got to be a fad, it's got to be a thing that they can now do, as opposed to <laughs> just not eating like a shit cunt most of the time. But that's all it comes down to. It's not eating clean 100% of the time and having fucking apple cider with uh, lemon juice every morning. There's no one thing that's going to fix you. It's just like not eating like a shit cunt. Yeah. Do you want to hear two funny stories? Of course. All right. So one's about a patient of mine from a long time ago. A very um he was really overweight and had 
back pain, whatever else. And I did the simplest of physio treatments on him and he thought, he rang me up and he thought I was a wizard. He rang me up to anything I said, right? Anything I said went. So anyway, he's quite overweight. So we decided to, I said, all right, we need to lose weight. We need to lose weight. And he said, all right, what do we, what do we need to do? And we went through his diet and what he ate. And it turns out, you know, every day he was having a 1.25 litre Coke. Oh my God, how large. did I know that? I was literally going to predict that. Yeah, and, you know, he was having tinned ch- ch- chicken on a white bread for breakfast. Anyway, we I'm not a dietitian, but I made a very simple plan for him. I was like, right, let's cut out the two bits of toast. Let's drop the Coke back, you know, to a small bottle. And let's do this. And he was like, okay. And I'm not a dietitian, but he came back two weeks later. He's like, Connie, I've lost three kilos. I was like, excellent. And it was, you know, just pure. But I was a bit mad because obviously he's, because he trusted me as a clinician. He'd obviously been seeing his GP for years. Because he trusted me as a clinician, it took me to say that to him to, for things to happen. Or even though probably every time he went to his GP, they said you should lose some weight. But they hadn't maybe given him a simple ways of doing it. And back to the second funny story is um, about juice cleansers. And shout out to my cousin, because this is about you. Uh, <laughs> he won't, I hope he doesn't listen to this, he might. Uh, we were, my aunt is a really good cook, like unbelievably really, really good cook. And he was on a bit of a you know, wellness fitness binge, and he was on a juice cleanse for the week. And he's, he's a massive dude. He's six foot four used to play rugby, AFL, like big dude. And my auntie had made this like slow cooked um, pulled beef and pulled pork and vegetable. Oh, it's divine. And we all sat down for dinner and he's on a juice cleanse. So he sat down and there was a bottle of juice sitting in front of him. And we were like loaded up with this roast beef and veggies. And he just got his knife and fork and tried to cut the juice bottle. And he was just like crying. We were all just like heaving. I was like, he tried to cut his juice bottle. Oh, he was just being, he was just being like, I hate life and just trying to cut his cut his juice bottle rather than oh <laughs> rather than God. drink it. <laughs> but, you know, for someone who's six foot four, it's like, oh, three juices a day isn't really probably good for you. I would be the fucking most feral bitch. Oh, yeah. Just, that's not even a concept that I can can comprehend, to be honest. Yeah. I've, yeah. Food's another thing. You know, I think we all eat too much, but... Yeah. But food rolls. Food, food does rule. Food fucking rolls. Food is food is life. It is. I think, like honestly, what I take from this is the importance of having, I guess, advice from someone who knows more than you. Yeah. And whether that's uh, you as a client um, or you as a trainer, because we don't know everything. And I think people's, I guess, I don't want to say arrogance, but it's kind of like they'd rather just give someone advice themselves and mm. seem like they know more than they do rather than say, look, you know what? I don't actually know if you should be taking fish oil, mm. but you can ask this person because that's literally their job to tell you that, mm. you know, or I don't actually know what's wrong with your knee, but you know what? Go see Connie. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like, why can't we say that? Why can't we say, I'm not actually qualified to tell you what's wrong with you. I'm not qualified to tell you um, what you should be eating. Yeah. I think pharmacists are actually one of the most underrated um, health professionals. I think they, I've got a couple of friends who are pharmacists and they, you know, you go to the pharmacy and you see them out in the back and they're just, they're just standing there. I never even meant to ask them anything. Oh yeah. A couple of my friends who are pharmacists, they, they always say to me, we love it when people ask us questions, like, cause we get to utilize our knowledge. So I, whenever someone says, you know, should I be taking 
something, I always say, go talk to your pharmacist because they are just a wealth of knowledge. They sit and most pharmacists I know actually quite enjoy talking to patients because you get to have that patient interaction. So, you know, my advice is if you're ever not sure about, you know, a medication or, you know, over-the-counter medication, always have a chat with them. Like, it's the best thing you can do is just get as much information as you can. Um, same, um, you know, and having that conversation with your GP as well about why you're on certain medications. There was a big... Um, my father is a big, my father's a GP and he's a massive advocate for this, um, I don't know if you, it was a couple of years ago, it was like the Y campaign, did you hear that? I don't think so. It was by the, um, it was a national campaign and it was called Y and it was a campaign targeted at the people to ask your GP why you're taking certain drugs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, instead of your GP going, alright, I'm going to put you on this and then it's actually having that conversation of why. Why am I taking this? And actually getting an understanding. Because quite often, you know, people will just go, yes, doctor, what, you know, and we'll do, take whatever they're, um, they're supposed to be taking. Or the doctor prescribes them and they don't actually question, why am I taking this? And it's not that you shouldn't be taking them, it's having an understanding of, understanding of, all right, why am I taking Yeah, like, what is this doing to my body? What is this, what is it, well, what is this doing? What is, what is the... What are the long-term outcomes? What is the actual, you know, benefit of this? And it's the same. You could apply that to anything, you know. Why Why am I doing this exercise? Yeah, that's what I always say to clients who go get treated. Or mm. um, I'm like, what did What did they say? What are they trying to fix? Yeah. You know, and often they can't actually tell me, and I'm not sure whether that's the fact that they maybe don't understand what they were told or the fact mm. that they weren't actually explain. I feel like you should be able to explain an injury to a person without overwhelming them with like jargon mm. and they should understand that their lower back is weak so they need to do this because it's going to strengthen XYZ. this muscle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that they're going to be able to relay that to someone who needs to know. And that I think that comes down to clinician to clinician. It comes down to how well you can talk the talk. And some people are really good at talking the talk, but they're really good at using quite big words, you know, big diagnoses and stuff. I am blunt. I am the inner Queensland bogan comes out in me and I tell them how it is. And I'll tell them really, you know, your back's cooked. No, I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely falling to bits. Uh, no, but it's trying to... Trying to convey that message to someone as well. Well, it's about the rapport thing. You need yeah. to be able to explain it in a way that they're going to understand and they're not going to feel either patronised or overwhelmed, yeah. basically. Overwhelmed is a, is a big one as well. Um, yeah, being overwhelmed and having these big words. The other big words that really annoy me is when patients go... Um, a, like if you say to them you don't need a scan right and then they go above you and go get one and then they come back and they're like I have this and I was like I told you that last week and like what are we going to do I was like the same thing I told you last week you know <laughs> what you say don't get a scan and they go get a scan yeah happens why all would the time. anyone go pay for a scan if they're told because there's this mentality that you need uh, a, a scan to, to verify something you know the the, the, the health system is so um Inundated. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a wizard. I still like I still send for scans all the time, like I still send for MRI, CTs, ultrasounds. But you know sometimes some conditions come back and they 
you know, and it's exactly what you sort of suspected, but it doesn't really change the outcome. Yeah, so regardless of whether you can see it on a scan, your treatment um, process is going to be the same. The same. The same. So, yeah, you don't yeah. need a scan to tell you. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I think it, it comes down to, um, you know, taking taking your symptoms into account as, you know, to what the scan says. So I always got taught at university, um, assess the patient first, do your physical examination, make your diagnosis in your head or provisional diagnosis in your head and then look at the scan. Yeah. That's what I got taught. Never look at the scan first. Yeah, and because then it's it, going to be swayed. And yeah, it'll give you a preconceived idea. And I, it's really interesting to when you look at pathology of what is said on a scan to what actually um, is happening to a person functionally. So one of my favourite studies was, not favourite, but this is how I explain it. Um, a couple of years ago, they did MRIs on every one of 32 boys in boys um, on the English cricket team, I think. Don't quote me. But it was a cricket team, an elite cricket team. And all they did MRIs of all of the boys. And 16 of the boys came back with some sort of dysfunction or some sort of pathology, like changes to their to their spines, and only two of them ever reported back pain. So it's like, okay, so there's, there's 14 people who don't have any symptoms who have pathology. So it's kind of like you've got to match up your pathology with what's going on. Yeah, okay. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot in older people. You know, you take an... You, you take an MRI of anyone's over the age of 60 spine, of course you're probably going to find changes. But, you know, you've got to look at, okay, is that are those changes actually affecting how your pain yeah, is Yeah, I wouldn't want to get any sort of scan on my body. <laughs> no, it's not that daunting. But, you know, quite often you'll find, they'll find things that don't make sense, that don't actually fit your well, symptoms. Well, it's kind of like ignorance is bliss to a certain extent. Yeah. If, you're I, not, if nothing's bothering you, maybe just... Leave it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. It's like, why try and fix something that's not broken? Yeah, 100%. You know, it happens. I find it happens a lot. People are kind of like, I had this pathology. I'm like, okay, can you do X, Y, Z? And they go, yeah. I'm like, okay, well. It's probably all right then. It's probably all right then. You know, well, what should we do about it? Oh, we can do some preventative stuff and strengthening. And it's, it's, yeah. It's the medical model versus the allied health model, and unfortunately, physios and allied health are sitting at the in the in the, in the pool at the bottom. So, we've, I find it frustratingly hard when you, especially if you get a patient who's um, like a frequent flyer. You know, they'll go hunting, hunting for the answer that they want. Oh right, yeah, yeah, they'll go hunting for the answer that they want. So they'll be like, oh, I've seen two other physios, I've seen three other health professionals and then they'll come to you and they'll be this and you'll be like oh here we go and it's more they're looking for an answer that probably isn't you know what I mean they've got these preconceived ideas of um, how something works and Google doesn't help either so <laughs> Dr. Google Dr. Google yeah Dr. Google so like it's it's a hard and it's getting I think it's getting a little bit harder as well I think as a clinician, it's getting harder because I feel like there's a lot more misinformation out there. Oh, massively, man. Massively. There's a lot of um, information and things being, being fed to people constantly. Like, oh, I'm guilty of it. Like, I, some days I go, oh my God, I've been sitting on Instagram for like 45 minutes. 
And I'm like, what have I been doing with my life? You know, all of a sudden I'm like inspired to go buy some activewear tights because I've been looking at, you know, Lorna Jane ads for like 45 minutes. But, you know, it it's um, mind-numbing how much information and stimulation everyone's got out there, not just health-related, but everything in general. Yeah, it's hard to sift through the bullshit. It's really hard to sift, and I even find it hard sometimes to sift, sift through it. And it, it, it's, uh, it's how do you know what's real and not real anymore? You know? I, you see these people on, on, on the social, on the gram, and, and it's, it just seems like their life is perfect, but really, it's not. No one's life's perfect, you know? And it's it's trying to t- trying to remember that when you see all these, I feel really sorry for teenagers and twenty year olds right now because all they've seen is lots and lots of stimulus, lots and lots of content, screens, their whole life. Like even the schooling system, I think is, you know, I'm gonna make a lot of money in the next couple of years for kids that've been using iPads since they were two, you know, or this yeah. hunch, this hunched over behaviour, I th- this stimulus, that constant blue light from the screen is just like you and I obviously have used them for most of our 20s uni you know work but you think as a child starting from a younger age it's just I'm really intrigued to see what happens one from a musculoskeletal point of view um in the next 20 years but two also from just that that constant stimulus have you seen the movie um Idiocracy Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I have seen it, like, years ago. Do you remember? Vaguely. So they, I, it's a, it's a comedy movie and it's very stupid, but it really rings true with me in terms of the way society's going. So they take an average male and average female, put them into this army experiment where they put them into cryogenic for a year. They're only meant to be there in a year. Yeah. And accidentally, um, accidentally the experiment goes or they lose funding or something, they just forget about them and they get bulldozed into rubble. Anyway, they wake up 400 years later and everyone is an idiot. <laughs> so they wake up on top of like piles of rubbish, like like the rubbish the rubbish issue has gotten out of control in the world. And they wake up and like, what is going on? You know, and there's this scene where I think it's Dak Shepherd is sitting on the toilet with 24 screens in front of him. And you know they're drinking they're drinking green like Powerade out of out of the bubbler because it's got electrolytes in it. And it's, electrolytes are good for you, you know. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you know this this guy he rocks up to the hospital, and the triage hospital is this nurse or someone standing there, and she's got like a board of of like all the things that could be happening, like vomiting, ble- bleeding. You know, she doesn't have a conversation. She just sort of as he's talking, she's like running her finger over the what symptoms she, you know, to press the button to be like, oh, they're bleeding, press that button. And it's, it's, it's quite funny and it's very stupid, but it's also very scary in terms of if you look at the way society's going, you know, you, you, <laughs> do, you, do yourselves a favour, go watch it, it's very good. <laughs> Movie recommendation. Movie recommendation, idiocracy. <laughs> It's um, I think like this whole the whole COVID you know two months at home kind of situation has given people a lot of time to think about what it is they want, what it is they have to offer, um, and what maybe isn't quite working in their life or in society in general. Um, it's been quite an eye opener. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I would, I would concur. I think a lot of people 
like you and I were just talking about this before, before the podcast, like, you know, my life, you know, you're getting eight hours, nine hours sleep a night and, you know, this not having to do the commute every day to work and the work from home, you know, parents having a new lease on life with their kids, you know, it, it's in some ways, you know, you've got to look at the positives of COVID, like people are now at home, people are now spending time with their spouses, people are now exercising more. You know, because they're bored. It's, it's interesting that gyms closing have made people exercise more. Yeah, there's been a slight little string of, um, like, running injuries. Uh, and a lot of work from home are sore necks and backs because people obviously are sitting at kitchen benches and yeah, trying, kind of trying to do, yeah, 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 trying yeah. To do work at their desk. Which I've I, tried working on my bed. <laughs> yeah, no. Doesn't, no. doesn't work. No. So, yeah, Corona's... I think it's changed some people for the better. And I think it's changed the other spectrum. We got to look, I said on the news the other day that, you know, the loneliness factor in terms of if you didn't have a partner and you were by yourself, like that would be like, obviously I'm very blessed and I have a partner. Thank you. Um, he's great. But you know, I, being by yourself, if you live by yourself, I think would be really detrimental in terms of not having, being able to see your family or, um, friends yeah no for sure mm. I mean I'm very much a I love I love ISO person um, but also mindful that not everyone is you know an ISO person an ISO person <laughs> that's totally fair I mean I don't um, there's honestly been really not much about this experience that I haven't enjoyed yeah how do you think um, gyms are gonna go when to reopen in terms of obviously I find it interesting they're opening pubs and cafes first before they're opening gyms. And I don't, like, I don't know the logistics behind it in terms of hygiene, you know, being able to keep things hygienic. Well, there are a lot of restrictions um, that have been imposed already for when we can reopen. So we can reopen, I think it's the 22nd of June. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. not too far away. Um, and, but all the social distancing protocol has to be... Um, obviously adhered to and there's a whole bunch of like strategies that we've got to use um, in terms of like how many people can be in certain rooms how often things excuse me how often things are cleaned all that kind of thing so it's completely like thrown it on its head a little bit mm. um, how that's going to work um, and I do think that like people will have found that they don't actually need the gym to mm. exercise so there's going to be all those people who are like, you know what? Don't need this. Don't need this. Yeah. No. Good on them. You know, like if you have the motivation to um, train at home, if you've got a routine, um, do it. Like you don't need to go to the gym. Mm. I think that that's been the whole freak out that people have been worried about. Like, oh, we're going to lose business. People are going to become self-sufficient. But like, fucking good for them, man. Yeah, I think it's definitely changed. And from a business point of view, for me, obviously launching Northside Physio in a, in a pandemic um you know it's changed my business model a little bit to a little bit more telehealth a little bit more online um Pilates which is, for me has been really fun um and I have the capacity to do that but for other people it's probably not not as fun moving towards that oh for sure to, you know I know a lot of friends gyms like a lot of gyms have put um people's memberships on like half whole but they're doing online classes for free like they yeah, get all we, access well. yeah yeah which i think is a really good but what happens when covid's over 
So just is all that online content. Well, that's the thing is that we have to think you, about how we're going to combine. I'm sure you've had to do the same. Like, yeah. Is there an element of the online um, service that you're going to keep? Um, because obviously, like, I was just talking to the girls about this the other day. I was like, oh, we're still going to keep doing online Pilates. <laughs> like, I really like it. It's been like a really cool addition to my routine. It means I don't have to leave the house. Mm. Um, it's been awesome. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in that boat who are like really enjoying doing online exercise, mm. online um, whatever's been offered. So I think that it's, if anything, it's broadened the scope of like how we can reach people and the services that we can provide. So I think looking at looking at it like that rather than like we're going to lose business, um, you know, how can we reach more people through other means? I think that's what we should be focusing on for sure. Yeah. Well, starting telehealth. It was a very, very rapid transition into telehealth. And um, thank you, Karen Finn, for your lovely um, lecture webinar you did on telehealth. That was great. Um, but having that rapid transition on how to assess someone um, via telehealth, and that's a really interesting challenge when you're not there to physically touch someone. Yeah. Um, you can do it. And it's just an interesting way to, to present the physiotherapy model. Um, but, it, you know, it's doable. And it sometimes sometimes you have to just be like, no, you need to go see someone for hands-on. A lot of the time you can do it via telehealth, which is interesting because it'll start to create, I don't think telehealth, well, like it was always, it's been around for years, telehealth, um, especially in rural and remote communities. But I think now after COVID, telehealth will remain a quite a quite, quite interesting in terms of people will still want to access things online. And I will probably keep going with it for as long as it's warranted. Yeah, you know, for sure. If people still want to do their clinical Pilates one-to-one -one online, I'm more than happy. It keeps me fit, keeps them happy. Everyone's butts hurt. Everyone's Everyone butts hurt, everyone's abs hurt. You know, it's very social as well. It's quite funny. It's very funny. It's... Sometimes I get really tired because I'll do like four back-to-back -back sessions. Oh, I'm not surprised. That's hectic. Oh, yeah. My boyfriend's like, oh, you should keep doing Pilates forever. Your butt just keeps getting higher and firmer and firmer. I'm like, thanks. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> He's like, don't even stop doing that work Pilates. I was like, okay. Got you, mate. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so where can people find you if they want a better butt or maybe... <laughs> Maybe they need some treatment. Uh, if, you, or if you need some toning, if you need, oh, I hate that word. Same. Toning. If you need some wellness and toning. Oh God, and functional something something. If you want some functional uh, toned wellness, where oh. can people find you? Um, I'm clinically. If you need to want to come see me um, in person, I'm located up in Thornbury, um, Northside. My uh, my physio clinic is called Northside Physio. And if you want to find me, you can. Uh, northsidephysio.com.au very simple or uh, I am on the gram and I am on Facebook as Northside Physio and Northside Physio is currently open yes open for business amazing mm. um, thank you so much for a thoroughly enjoyable conversation oh I feel like it got really serious at some point they um, always do they always get real deep and then they lighten up and then they go off on a tangent and oh then... so many tangents I, the health health world I, tr I really had to rein it in today, you know, trying to drop any, drop any uh, swear words. Oh, mate, I mean, they have to write about that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Got to keep, got to keep it somewhat professional. Of course. Well, I, I won't, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Thank you so much.
much. It's been an absolute no, pleasure. Connie, thank you for having um, me. Guys, look up Connie if you would like treatment. Seriously, she's a fantastic uh, physiotherapist and uh, Pilates instructor. Uh, my butt is better for her. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely get along, check her out, um, and enjoy the rest of your day. Stay well, nurse. <laughs> <laughs>